Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. Along with me today, the one and only Matt Matera, also from PewterReport.com. Matt, how are you on this fine Tuesday morning, afternoon, evening? uh, (laughs) Yeah, whatever time it is. John, I'm doing great, man. I don't know how you're still functioning. I mean, you and Scott did a great job with the live draft show, and then you're on yesterday and you're on today. So uh, hats off to you, man, for everything that you're doing. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm doing well as well. I appreciate that. I feel I feel good. I feel reinvigorated. Yesterday, not gonna lie, super big struggle. <laughs> today, I feel fine. I'm ready. I'm to sure roll. Sunday was a nice, uh, a nice rest day. For it was, you, it was a little bit resting. Yes, I, yeah. I still wrote an article. I was like, we it was the buy. It was the buy <laughs> for you. <laughs> it feels like that. I wonder if we could get we keep, we need bye weeks in here for the media. I really think we do. Um, no, this is good stuff. This is today. We talk about the state of the NFC, Matt, after the draft, and we look at this conference. Which I think I, I kept from titling it this way, but I, I think it might be a conference in shambles right now, Matt. I mean, there is much unrest everywhere but Tampa Bay, it seems like. And so we will see there's rebuilding in some areas, there's unrest in other key areas, kind of returning this this level of consistency uh, that has made them Super Bowl champions. And so we'll see. We'll see how uh, this all works out, but it's going to be it's exciting. Uh, and we'll talk about this conference kind of in depth and look at where we think it's headed this season in 2021 20, uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it's all going to be brought to you by it, as it always is, by our good friends over at Celsius. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. You've got the blueberry pomegranate. I've got the sparkling watermelon. It's a great day to be drinking Celsius. I'm telling you what, Matt, I can't find a flavor I dislike. If you're out there telling you the kiwi guava, the strawberry guava, the blueberry pomegranate, the orange sickle, those are just a few of my favorites I rattled off off the top of my head there. But love Celsius, man. Healthy energy accelerates metabolism, burns body fat. I just saw a lady today drinking Celsius and was having a conversation with her. I was like, oh, yeah, they are one of the sponsors for the show that I do. And she was all about Celsius. She was talking about how great they are. Um, And it is. It's great stuff, man. No sugar and to taste this good and this many different flavors that's good for you and gives you energy that doesn't have a crash. It feels like a cheat code, Matt. It really does. I sometimes feel like I'm not even drinking an energy drink. Like I'm just having, you know, a regular glass of like (laughs) whatever kind of soft drink you're into. It's it's truly great. And I like to do almost like a a Celsius roulette where it's like, "Ah, I don't really know what I'm in the mood for, but I have a couple of different options. So I'll just like pick one from the fridge or pick one from the drawer randomly. Mm -hmm. And every time it delivers. So yeah, it's truly a great drink and definitely... uh, Happy that they're a sponsor of Peter Report. Oh, yeah. Absolutely huge uh, that they're a sponsor of PeterReport.com. So definitely check out Celsius. You can go to Celsius.com. You can click on the banner ads over at PeterReport.com. It's a great way to go right to the site, and it'll take you where you can buy some or you can get the variety pack from Amazon. Got lots of options for you, but definitely make sure you are checking out Celsius and checking out all that they have to offer. Okay, Matt, the state of the NFC, man. Last time I checked, the Packers and the Bucks. that's who was meeting in the NFC Championship game. And – the Bucs were victorious. 
Do you, when you look at this conference, do you think Green Bay is still that team? I know their situation with Aaron Rodgers. Let's put that aside for a second. Let's pretend it's all rectified and Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay. We're going to touch on how unlikely that seems in a second here. But let's say that's the case. Do you think Green Bay is the main competition for the Bucs to overcome? I would say, yeah, definitely. Barring all the Aaron Rodgers news, which I don't think, as the longer this goes, I think the more we're going to have to really pay attention to it. But if the Aaron Rodgers situation isn't in play, I think the Packers, without question, are the number one threat to the Bucs. I think it could be uh, a three-horse race, and I'm using the horse reference because Tom Brady was at the Kentucky Derby, and as was Aaron Rodgers. Mm. I think the Rams could really make some noise now, now that they have Matt Stafford. But I really think it comes down to is, with the exception of the Bucs, I think this is the first time in a while going into a season, the Bucs are like the only team that doesn't have a question mark surrounding them. Now, mm-hmm. the Packers, I would say they're probably that other team that wouldn't have a question mark. But now with the whole Aaron Rodgers situation, that's a huge question mark. That's a much bigger question mark than all the other teams. But to oh, answer yeah. your question, I think the Packers are the closest threat with the Rams. Um Definitely in the ballpark for someone that you have to pay attention to for this season. It is amazing to look at Green Bay, think that they are the top competition for the Bucs, which I believe they're the right. You're right. And then realize that if you take Aaron Rodgers off that team, they are probably nothing. Like they're like probably off I mean, the head of Thanos in uh yeah. in the Avengers Endgame. It really yeah. is. I mean, yeah, I I just there's holes on this team still, you know, nothing like the box. It's not even on the same level as the box. I mean, you're, you're talking about certainly a guy in Rogers that can make magic without having an elite roster. There's no question in my mind about that. But at the end of the day, Matt, like this is a team that has offensive line question marks at like three spots and, and they, um, they might be fine at all three spots. It might all come together, but right now, definitely legitimate question marks at those spots. So You've got those. You've got a, a quandary at wide receiver too. You know, certainly have other guys. They draft Amari Rodgers. Um, I think that that helps to a degree for sure. But at the same time, you look defensively. I mean, they, they were trying to look for more pass rush help. Is this where Rashawn Gary finally breaks out this year? Preston Smith took a pay cut to come back. Um, you've got a situation now with the with the um, with the secondary. Kevin King returning. I mean, you bet the Bucs <laughs> want to see Kevin King. Scotty Miller's <laughs> old friend. <laughs> come on. And so you know, you draft Eric. Eric Stokes, you know, Eric Stokes can be a good player for Green Bay, no doubt about that. But man, Matt, this is not a team that is like flawless in any way. If you take Aaron Rodgers off this team, yeah, I mean, this roster is worse than the Saints. It's probably worse than the Rams. I don't think they're quite as well coached, at least defensively. That's a huge question mark as some of the other top teams in the NFC. They do have that best quarterback, but there's still lots of question marks. Yeah, and that's the thing is Aaron Rodgers elevates the team around him. I think you can for the past couple of years, maybe not this year, because now they they got more talented with guys like DK Metcalf, but like Russell Wilson was another guy that he elevated his team. You know, mm-hmm. he almost like willed them to victory. And it's so funny because the past like two or three years, I think everyone has really said like, oh, when are they going to give Aaron Rodgers another weapon at receiver? And <laughs> I think there's that stat. It's like the Packers have gone with a, a defensive player in the first round of their draft for like every single year, except for the year when they picked the quarterback. So it's like they don't want to help Aaron it, do the Packers front office hate Aaron Rodgers? They just don't <laughs> want to help him at all. And it's like, okay, obviously with, with Adams, he, he's a, he's an elite wide receiver, one of the best in the game. But like, I don't know, MVS, with all due respect to Taylor, it doesn't strike fear in the hearts of like 
And I know he scored against the Bucs. He, he had a, a down, big downfield play. But, like, he doesn't strike fear in anyone. You know what he's going to do. He's fast. He's going to go down the field. There's no real threat yeah. on, on the Packers' offense besides Adams. I mean, yes, they, they had a great running game and everything, but that's what the Bucs do. They stop the run. There's no mm-hmm. team in the league that I, I would be afraid of. Like, oh, they got a star running back. Oh, the Giants have Saquon. Bar- well, Barkley was hurt last year, but you get the point. Like, oh, we got a stud running back. Yeah, the Bucs eat that up all day. Big whoop. Mm-hmm. Right. That that doesn't phase them at all. You know, teams like that just don't – it doesn't bother Tampa Bay. They, they know what they can do. They know that they can handle that part of the game. But, yeah, yeah. when you have a great quarterback, it can offset a lot of things. And when Rodgers plays out of his mind, it can certainly offset a lot of things. But if you look at this Packers roster right now and you compare it to the Bucs roster, it's not close. It just isn't on paper. That doesn't mean magic can't happen, but they've got legitimate question marks at left guard. I mean, even at right guard, there's no, there's far from mm-hmm. a stud there. And Billy Turner playing a right tackle for you for another year. It's looking like what's going to happen unless you got a guy like Royce Newman who's ready. Now they drafted Josh Myers in the second round. I like Josh Myers. I think he's going to be a good player there. Does he take over at center this season? How high of a level does he play at right away? Maybe a high one. He's going to be playing next Elton Jenkins and, and next Lucas Patrick. And so, you know, he definitely has a chance to make a smoother transition than some other players, but I don't know, man. It's still a transition that needs to be made. Uh, there's certainly weapons here. We know what Tanya and, and, and Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers can do. No question about that. But even defensively, man, there are just question marks. I, again, I'm not saying that this team doesn't have enough to do it. I'm just saying that when you look at it on paper, you can't really compare this group to the Packers or to the to the Bucks outside of what Aaron Rodgers brings to the table. You know, if he can do to be that guy. Now let's talk about that. Because lately, Matt, it just seems like there's almost no way that he's going to be back. I'm not even trying to be pessimistic on the Packers side of things, you know, for the benefit of Bucks fans, it really doesn't sound like this is happening. I mean, AJ Hawk, even, you know, who's good friends with Aaron Rodgers and on the Pat McAfee show all the time. He, he says the other day, Derby. yeah, he said the other day, he's like, I just, I just, he's like, I don't think it doesn't sound like it's going to happen. It doesn't sound like he's going to be back there. So this feels like, you know, and it feels like Aaron Rodgers only hasn't refuted it because it's true, right? I mean, he hasn't refuted it because of that. Now, he wishes it hadn't gone out, I think, because he is a big fan of – I think he's a big fan of Tampa Bay, honestly. I think he's a bit – or sorry, he's a big fan of Green Bay. And I think that he wants – he doesn't want those fans, right, to, like, be upset, right. you know, at him. And he, he wants to keep that relationship intact because he loves them and he appreciates them. But, I mean, I don't think he's going back to Green Bay. I don't think he's playing there this year. So let's take Green Bay off the table for consideration for this conversation. Let's look at the NFC South. Let's just go to the division right here because I know we've still got a lot of people that are like the Saints. That's the big hurdle. And I see you all in the chat and you're still talking about the Saints. And I get it completely because the Saints are still a good roster. You know, yeah. we said, oh, the Saints window is kind of passing. And, and to a degree, that might have been true, Matt. The window for a Super Bowl certainly does not appear to be open right now because the quarterback position is that important. And right now they've got major, major question marks there. But still, I mean, this was a team that had a good draft. I'm no question about that. Um, they were able to add talent to this team. Uh, Peyton Turner, uh, certainly very, very impressive in what I saw of him on tape in college. And then Pete Werner as well. I think he could step in and play an early role. Paulson Adebo going to be a big question mark with him. But those top three picks, Matt, I mean, you look at those top three picks, you say there's a team that was able to really kind of add something to their, te- to their team. Yes, defensively, for sure. You know, it's not a cure-all. They obviously still have questions at wide receiver. I think Paulson Adebo, like I said, going to be a target on him. And, and maybe he can deliver, maybe not. Uh, but that's a big shoes to fill as a, as a CB2 in the Saints defense with all, all the main coverage that they play. And he gave up a lot of big plays in college, made a lot of plays on the ball too. Um, so they're getting younger at some key spots. They're reloading. They draft well. 
you know they'll be back at it, but the big question mark is quarterback. They brought Ian Book in as a fourth-round pick, which I think he was kind of overdrafted, to be honest, but they brought him in to compete as a fourth-round pick, and obviously Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill are here, but do you see the Saints really as a threat? for the Saints the biggest threat to the Bucs for a division title, do you think, this season, Matt? I would say they're the biggest threat because you got to, I mean, okay, we all know it's a big issue with the quarterback situation. Who's going to be the starting quarterback? But we've seen in the past with the Saints that they've won with the backup quarterback. Like Drew Brees hasn't been totally, he's retired now. Congrats on a great career. Um, He hasn't been healthy the past two seasons. You said that that very much like a Bucs fan. Congrats on a great career. It was fun. Hey, man, I'm a reporter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, we saw them go undefeated with Teddy Bridgewater two seasons ago. And then uh, Taysom Hill was able to right the ship somewhat when he was their quarterback. So, you know, they have a little bit. If I was trying to, you know, pump up the Saints players, I would say that they've won with other quarterbacks before, too. I think what's so interesting as well is, and we saw the Bucs take advantage of this in, in the division round of the postseason, is at the tail end of the year, we all knew how limited Drew Brees was, and granted, he was in he was playing with some injuries too. But I mean, he couldn't throw the ball down the field, so there was nothing more than five, ten yard passes. Now, let's say if Jameis is the starting quarterback next year, that's going to open up some things that the Saints weren't really able to do last season. You know, yeah. we all know Jameis's fearlessness, and for better or for worse, you know, there are going to be plays down the field, whether it's going to be intercepted by the defense or, you know, big play to Michael Thomas, if he can run something besides the slant, you know, we'll we'll see if if that's the case. On the flip side, because Breeze was so limited in throwing, that made him one of the best passers in the game when it came to accuracy and, you know, setting up the screenplay. And we all know Mm -hmm. how big the screen was with the Saints, getting the ball into the hands of Kamara and then letting him do his thing. I think that would take a little bit of a step back with either James at quarterback or Taysom Hill. But I think the benefits of actually being able to push the ball down the field and be a threat that way actually helps the Saints in a way. I'm not saying that they're better with James or Taysom Hill as the starting quarterback than when Drew Brees was under center. I'm just saying it adds a new element to this team that we really haven't seen in a year or two that will make it a little bit tougher to game plan for. So ultimately, I think... They're the number one threat to the Bucs in the NFC South just because, you know, the Panthers, they have Sam Darnold, and he's another guy that threw a ton of interceptions, and you can make the argument that he never had a ton of weapons around him with the Jets. But also, like, Darnold's on one of the last years of his deal. The Panthers could be in a rebuild, at least a quarterback, be rebuilding almost right away, you know, if they if they decide that Darnold's not the guy after one season. And then the Saints, uh, the Falcons are in this constant free fall. Well, it's like, well, they got an extremely talented offense. They obviously just added Kyle Pitts in, in the draft. So they just added another weapon to their offense. But, you know, they could end up losing every game 45 to 35. And we saw you know, the Bucs get in a shootout with them last season and that, that helped the Bucs that way. So right. I think the, the, the answer is the Saints, but... It's the Bucks, and then everyone else is much lower. And the other interesting thing with the Saints is that they're going to have to make up their minds at some point. Is this the, is this a year we can win in? Is are we that good? Um, and it's man, it's a huge change for Jameis. Like it just is. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about an offense that was built on vertical threats all over the place. I mean, even Chris Godwin, he can win vertical. Evans can win vertical. Scotty Miller, OJR, the tight ends can. Now you go to a Saints team that it just isn't built that way at all. I mean, they don't. 
you know, Michael Thomas, you mentioned it with the slants. I'm not saying he can't win vertical. I think he can, but he's not like a deep I just like throwing a little jab in yeah, there. Like, yeah, right. Well, that wasn't better for Scott. You know, I know. He's, Scott feels the same way. But, you know, Traquan Smith, Marcus Callaway, Deontay Harris, these guys are not vertical threats. I mean, even Deontay yeah. Harris, who's fast, is an underneath, you know, like let's make a play with the ball in our hands type of player. So it's just a totally different thing for Jameis. There's not really vertical threats in this offense. Not saying they won't be able to win down the field. Even a tight end, though, Jared Cook was a much, a much more vertical threat than you'll see oh, yeah. with, you know, blocking tight end like Nick Vanette, who isn't even a good blocker, and then Adam Troutman. You know, you won't, those guys are not going to be, you know, big yards per catch type of guys who win down the field. So you've got a huge change in personnel for Jameis. I don't think if, if he wins the job, you know, and I would assume that they would love for Jameis to win the job. So Taysom Hill can do his change of pace thing and they can keep that in right. place. But you, you are definitely talking about an offense that is totally, totally different types of pieces than what Jameis is used to. I bet schematically they will often ask him to be much more structured than what he's used to in Tampa Bay. They'll ask him to do certain, there will be much more predefined things for him a lot of the time. That might save him. That also might neutralize some of what he's best at. He is not really a great underneath passer. I know that seems kind of counterintuitive to people because that's kind of easier. So you're like, oh, easier stuff for Jameis. That might be exactly what he needed. I don't really know that that's the case. Jameis is a downfield passer. You know, it's the underneath stuff that really gave him bigger issues. You saw it over and over again with how many interceptions he threw underneath. I think throwing the deep balls is forte, and I don't know that this Saints offense is set up for him to really win that way. So it'll be something to watch. Defensively, they're obviously still a really good group. They did lose some people. Janoris Jenkins being kind of one of them and really not having a replacement is kind of the big, like they just aren't really sure what's going to happen to that CB2. Two moves I think could, could still be coming your way for the Saints. I think this team could sign Richard Sherman. He's still available, and I bet that that, unless he got signed in the last couple hours, because I know now it doesn't count against the comp pick thing. And that could have mm-hmm. been the weight on that uh, as the comp pick thing. You know, now there's no compensatory pick for whoever signs after this point. Um, and that could be one thing. And then the other thing is, Armstead's contract, Matt, with Teron Armstead, he is this is it for him. This is the final year of his contract. And the Bucks are or the Saints can't re-sign both of these guys. They can't re-sign Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchick. And they're gonna re-sign Ryan Ramchick. He's been healthier and he's younger, and that's the guy that they're gonna re-sign. Um, so now it becomes this question of what do we do with Teron Armstead? One more year, he wants a new deal. We're not paying both of them. Um, you know, so what what do they do? Do we trade them? You know, right now, while we the other team gets a value, do, do we trade them in some place gives them a contract? You know, as we trade them. So that's a piece to look for. I'm not saying I'm reporting that. I'm just saying I look at the numbers and that's what makes sense. I don't think they signed both of these guys. Armstead's had the injury issues, but he's also a premier talent at left tackle. So if they trade him, you know, what happens? James Hurst plugs in. Remember, they re-signed James Hurst. So that was mm-hmm. uh, not by accident, I don't think. They re-signed him just in case. They draft Landon Young in the sixth round, develop him to be at least the swing tackle. That's kind of where they see him fitting in. So yeah, there's a chance here that uh, that they lose one of their best offensive linemen uh, in the coming months as well. Uh, something something to watch for sure with the Saints. All right, let's talk about the Falcons just a little bit, and then we'll 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 touch on the Falcons and Saints a little bit, and we'll dive into the other competitors in the NFC. But just want to touch on these teams because the draft just happened. So what's the state of the what's the state of the franchises after the draft and what they did in the draft? Well, we know the Falcons added a big time threat, and we actually talked about it a little bit with. Um, with Taylor Jenkins, we're going yeah. to talk about this even more, but he wrote about it. He's talked about how Kyle Pitts and how the Bucks match up with him is going to be critical. Uh, he is a big-time threat. All of a sudden, the Falcons on offense, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Jake Matthews at left tackle. They've got questions at left guard. They've got questions at center. 
but our left guard and center, but they've drafted Drew, Dow- Drew Dowman. They drafted Matt Hennessy a year ago in the third round. They drafted Jalen Mayfield this past year in the third round. They have talent, and they have two first-rounders on the right side, Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. Neither have played like first-rounders. Lindstrom started to come on last year. McGarry is still leaving a lot to be desired. It's possible that Mayfield can compete to knock him out at right tackle there, so we'll see what happens with that group. But they're giving themselves answers. The problem with Atlanta really is that they – they, if they had offensive line can play to potential, if that offensive line can play developed this year, Matt, they could be a dangerous team. But the problem is that hasn't happened yet. That development of the offensive line is holding them back right now. It hasn't happened. And because of that, you look at the roster now and you say, oh, even with all this talent, there could still be issues because Matt Ryan can't get himself out of trouble. Yeah, it always seems with the Falcons, they're just like one little thing away. It's like they, you know, it's like you're building a table or, you know, you, you go to Ikea and you're you're building something and like everything's all good to go. There's just like that one screw that's not in place and like it all falls apart at the end. Um, I did like so that. You, so you watched when I built my kids cribs is what you're saying. I, I did not, but I certainly. <laughs> you, uh, know, you know what that process looks like. Though. Yeah, and I'm like the least handy of person anyway. Like I'm at the oh, point, like too. the couch that I'm sitting on right now. When we bought it, um, we just paid the extra for like the the guys to come in and and, and like build the whole thing. So I'm like the amount of stress and and agita I'm gonna get from like trying to set this up. I, I I'd rather just pay the extra and like just have the peace of mind that I don't have to. Do. I hear I hear that, brother. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, with the with the Falcons' offensive line, I mean, I just keep thinking of. Now this goes all the way back. I, I remember vividly because I was I was at the it, at the game on the road in Atlanta, and. Todd Bowles just sent Devin White on his way, just blitzed him off the middle every single time. And like he, I believe he had three sacks in that game. I think it was his first hat trick sack game of his career. Um, Devin White, it seems to always play very well in Atlanta. I think it has something to do with, uh, you know, LSU with all their success and, and playing there a lot and in games and, and things like that. Yep. This game is won by going up the middle. I mean, we saw with the Bucks how when Vita Vea came back, he was able to push up front and, you know, it helped out everyone else on the side with Shaq and JPP. It's one up the middle, and the Falcons have had issues with that. I'm, I'm always an advocate of, like, you have to win in the trenches. Having skilled players is great. It's fantastic. But the, the Falcons have had these skilled players for a very long time. Yeah. And, yeah, they, they had a great run years ago. But in recent years, it hasn't meant anything to them. Uh, their defense, I, I, like, there's nothing about their defense that I'm like particularly worried about. Right, I mean, even Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, but those right, guys and they've even... been there for a while too. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, it still hasn't changed much. Now, granted, they've had a lot of injuries too, but you know what? Every team has injuries. The Bucks have had injuries as well too. Now, granted, they haven't had, they haven't gotten the injury bug as bad as like I know I'm kind of going out of what we were talking about the Falcons here, but the Bucks have had. They've been lucky enough where they haven't had like serious injuries, but you know, they lost mm-hmm. Alex Kappa. Devin White had COVID and he missed a playoff game. It's not like mm-hmm. the Bucs have gone unscathed. But I don't know, just Atlanta, they need I think they just need to like completely regroup and start over because Matt Ryan yeah. is a great court. I think Matt Ryan would be great just going pretty much what like what happened with Matt Stafford. He goes to the Rams and kind of like gets to replenish his career there. I just think mm-hmm. the ship has sailed with the Falcons. It's like you might as well just start anew because especially mm. in this division I, I don't see any way really where the falcons are like legitimate contender to like one win the division or two get a wild card spot and really make noise in the postseason it's just atlanta just like like just 
It was a good run. Just just regroup. Go away. Come just on. go away. <laughs> yeah, just get out, get out of here. They, they, they honestly have, you know, so much talent offensively that it, it, it makes me want to believe that they could make some noise again. And the new coaching definitely makes me want to believe. I mean, Dean Pease is a good defensive coordinator, you know, so if they're not a problem this year, I do think they will be a problem next year. Yeah. But it's just hard to look at that secondary and be like, wow, yeah, it's all going to come together this year. I don't know, man. Like, I think AJ Trell is going to be a good player. I like that as a first-round pick. Honestly, a lot of people were down on that. I was probably one of the few advocates of it. I think he played pretty well last year. But, I mean, you look at the rest of that group and you're like, what are we doing? Like, I mean, there's just not a lot of talent right now where there's a lot of very you know mid-round pick unproven talent that, that was yeah. never really thought to have super high ceiling. So, yeah, there's uh, just not a lot there, man. Edge rusher, it feels like they've been trying to find edge rushers for forever. They just haven't really found them. I mean, they pay Dante Fowler, and he delivers a complete dud of a season. They go out and they do nothing else at edge this past year. I mean, the curse it, of John Abraham, man. Because I yeah, think Abraham like, signed with the Falcons after yeah. he's with the Jets. Yeah. And the Jets and the Falcons have not had a pass rusher since John That's Abraham. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. The curse Falcon, of John Abraham. Right. Falcons thought they had that Vic Beasley thing going on, and then that was just a year, and then they were you know back to questions with him. And so – it has been a mess uh, in Atlanta, frankly, defensively, and I don't see that being fixed. And if their offensive line was, you know, just elite, then maybe I would say, okay, they're going to score enough points. It's not going to matter. But in this division, come on, man! Like, you and you know, it. Matt Ryan, you, he's not that mobile, so you know, he's right. a sitting duck back there. You right. know, so it's not even. And he's like good, he's but he's good, but how good? You know, I mean, is he good enough to overcome all the limitations still that are around him? Um, that's why I wonder now, Carolina, we don't need to spend a ton of time on them. I don't think anyone thinks Carolina is necessarily going to be a threat this season. Definitely a team that's moving in the right direction overall. Agreed. Agreed. Some, oh, we should actually, let's go back to the Falcons for a second. Cause I want to address somebody asked the question and, and I meant to talk about it anyway, but do we think Julio gets moved before camp? Now this is the big question mark with them. We talked about Toronto Armstead, maybe with the saints with the Falcons it's Julio Jones. I mean, cause don't get me wrong. This is still a really good group offensively, even if Julio Jones is not back. But, I mean, <laughs> if he's back, obviously it's a different story. I don't care what you're talking about with the injuries. Julio Jones is a beast. He changes oh, the yeah. game. And so, absolutely, yeah, if he's not back, and I think he does get moved eventually. I really do. Most of the time those situations work out that way, but it's going to be tricky. I think it's just going to take time, and that's why you haven't seen it happen yet because his contract makes it complicated. Yeah, so, it's, not, it's not easy. Like – in other sports, there's always trades at like the deadline and stuff like yes. that. And this would be a perfect situation where, you know, if Atlanta is, you know, like three and five or something like that, as they get closer to the deadline, it'd be easier to be like, okay, well, this season's kind of done for. We're playing for a draft pick at this point. Let's trade Julio Jones and get some, you know, draft capital out of it. But that's not really how it works in the NFL. You don't see too many in season trades with players or players of you know julio's magnitude where he's really gonna you know go to a team and have like an instant impact we right. saw it with jalen ramsey but you know jalen ramsey obviously was like kicking and screaming so yeah you're right you don't see it you don't see it that often and especially if they're not throwing a fit about it so yeah it's uh it's going to be a big change for sure so okay Ca carolina team moving in the right direction right but not a serious threat yet right like i mean that offensive line long way to go and who's going to play quarterback? Right. you know sam darnold really going to yeah. suddenly blossom i know there's better weapons around him but i think we're by at least a year away from talking about carolina yeah and i like my rules as a coach i know scott's been very high on him thinking that you know he'll be able to turn the program around because he's been able to do that in college and i do agree i think um there, there's a lot of interesting and exciting stuff if, if you're a panthers fan where um you know just enjoy the ride this season hope your your prospects do well and mm -hmm. and 
but you know, g- give it a year or two, and you, you you guys will be okay. Yeah, it's keeping Joe Brady, and it's figuring out who the quarterback yes. is going to be. Those are the two things that I'm not sure is going to happen. Um, but other than that, I like the direction they're moving in a lot of ways. By the way, tons of young pieces defensively. They got to get some stars out of that group. I mean, they have drafted a lot of people, and J.C. Horn's got to be a star. I mean, there's a Did lot you say of bad was man that uh, he didn't get like enough. There's there wasn't enough like publicity around his son getting drafted like that early. No, what I don't know what that mean, even means. I don't know. What Schefter kind of publicity that, like, he, he was angry at the amount of coverage that J.C. Horn got going to the Panthers. He didn't think there was enough, or there's a as many like, oh my god, he, he's going to the Panthers. I don't really, know. I don't have to look into it more. But Joe Horn wasn't too happy because, about it. because it was a because it's a division rival with his dad's old team, or is that no? Why I, I just think he's like, hey, like this is my son. Like people should know more. Like, oh, this is Joe Horn's son, and like he's what people have been talking yeah. about that for like a year. <laughs> That's wild. I don't know. Joe Horn tripping. That's great touchdown saying. celebration, though. He will definitely. Oh, he has a spot in NFL history for oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no for question that about that. All right, most people mentioned the Rams, and they said, oh, the Rams are the biggest competition. All right, maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> I think the Rams are good, but I again, Matt, I just keep coming back to this point. I'm comparing rosters to the box. It just seems silly. Listen to the front five. I mean, Andrew Whitworth's 100 years old. I mean, I know he's still good, but you got David Edwards, Brian Allen, Austin Corbett, Rob Havenstein, and yeah, they've gotten the most out of those guys, but when push comes to shove, that group is not the Bucks group. And you have Cooper Cup and, and Van Jefferson and Robert Woods. That's a good trio. Deshaun yeah, Jackson's still around. Like, but come on. Like the Bucks group, I mean, that that doesn't that isn't the Bucks group. And even if those groups push in a given game, you know, I mean, you're talking about Matt Stafford playing the best ball of his career under a new coach. It might take some time. I don't know if Stafford is Brady, you know, ask. Like we know Brady yeah. did it, but not most have done it over the years. That's not you've not gone for to Super Bowl contender right away. So Maybe they're the best bet, but the mo- the biggest questions are on defense to me. They ran a very unique scheme that had teams struggling to adjust schematically. They they have yeah. good players, no question, but the scheme was transcendent last year, and now the scheme is gone. Raheem Morris is the defense coordinator, and Brandon Staley is gone, and Raheem Morris has not run what Brandon Staley ran. So maybe he's going to learn it, and he's going to try and run that, you know. And John McVay <laughs> is going to basically handle both units. But Raheem Morris has done his thing for a long time, and he's a good DC. But, I mean, the Bucs just absolutely toasted Raheem Morris last year. I mean, I know it was, that first half was a shutout, but then 31 points in the second half. Then they went into back in Tampa Bay. What was it, 46 points? I mean, they just it was roasted ugly. him. And it, I mean, they didn't even have Mike Evans for a lot of the second game. I mean, it, it was ugly, man. Like, it, they got after him. So, I don't know. Like, they lost some people. You know, this isn't quite the same team that was out there last year. You know, they lost a corner uh, in in uh, in the, the dude that went to uh, the Browns. His name's totally escaped. But Troy Hill, um, you know, they lost uh, – they they, oh, they lost Jordan uh, also to the Browns. Uh, they lost John Johnson, who was, well, I think, one of the better and more underrated safeties in the league. Mm-hmm. Oh, somebody posted in the comments for me. That would be helpful if I looked and saw that. <laughs> I wouldn't have to try and remember these guys' names. Thank you, Mediocrity Incarnate. Um, yeah, so they lost some people, and I don't think they really got better. The draft was, to me, a dud for them. Uh, I don't think that it means that that was a horrible draft and it will always be a horrible draft. But for this year, year one impact, you don't have a round one pick and you use your second round pick on a wide receiver that's 149 pounds, Matt. 149 pounds with nothing in his pockets, Matt. (laughs) Come on. My God. I hear you, man. I hear you. I mean, I, you know, I, I texted I, Trevor after the show. You know, oh, people, you? Trevor and I always text after during the draft, like when we get breaks and stuff. I texted him after the show. I was like, dude. And he knew exactly what I was saying before I even brought it up. 
It was after the second and third rounds. He was like, dude, first pick in the draft, an 149-pound wide receiver, first pick in the draft. We just couldn't believe it that that happened. And then <laughs> even as they go on, Matt, I mean, Ernest Jones in the third round, most people had him slated as a sixth, seventh-round pick. They had a fine day three. Bobby Brown has upside. But again, I, 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 to me, too many lazy tendencies on tape. They get everything out of their D lineman. As a role player there, will be effective. Can Robert Rochelle develop as a fourth-round pick into one of their better corners eventually? Maybe down the road, but they just I don't think there's any impact from this group in year one. I, I think that it's hard for me to look at the what they drafted and what they added and say, wow, they got a lot better. To me, it's Matt Stafford. They got worse at some other spots, and now they see if Stafford basically can make up for all that. Damn, dude. Tell me how you really feel. I mean, you just like unleashed fury on the Rams right there. <laughs> I can't help it, man. I just... I don't think the situation's comparable with Tampa Bay last year. People just well, underrated yeah, but no how good the really Bucks comparable with the Bucks in terms of a roster. How many other teams brought back all twenty-two starters? That's, like we're, this we're is my rarefied air. We're talking about rarefied air right here. It's not Thank like you. single team. Like no one can match up with the Bucks, right? The so Bucks. the Rams should respect NFL royalty in Tampa Bay. That's yeah. What I say. You know what's going to make you go crazy? I was uh, I was looking at the odds uh, at our good friends mybookie.ag. And so the odds for winning the NFC championship, the Bucs are obviously the favorite at plus 250. The next one are the Rams at plus 600, followed by the Packers at plus 625, the Niners at plus 750, and the Seahawks at plus 1,000. Okay, so, so uh, it's, what is it? Bucks, Rams? Bucks, Rams, Packers are the top three. Niners, Seahawks to round okay. out like the top five, which is wow. something I was going to bring up is that um, I think another issue for the Rams really er, – Everyone is the the NFC West is going to beat up on each other, you know. Oh yeah, um, that's a really I'm not gonna say really good division, but it's a very talented division. Like even the Cardinals, I, I'm not totally sold on. I think eventually, you know, college coaches come in and then they have like success early on. Not that the Cardinals had like a ton of success, but then like once you kind of figure out a little bit of the the gimmicky college offense that's when like you really see teams hit the skids but like there's no question that the cardinals are talented um but yeah between the seahawks who have their own issues with you know russell wilson didn't really want to be there he was open Mm -hmm. to getting traded and things like that between the rams seahawks and 49ers like those guys are just going to beat up on each other it's going to be a whole struggle the entire season for uh whoever's going to be the the champion of the nfc west there and um sorry go ahead no, I was just to say, you're absolutely right. I mean, and I'm glad you brought up Russell Wilson. Let's talk about that. I mean, we, I don't think Russell Wilson's going anywhere, but there are clear so fractures. Either. There's, there's clear fractures, right? Like this might not be an Aaron Rodgers level situation, but this is a group that's in jeopardy right now. I mean, oh, you see what I did there? See what I did? Ah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Very you. Thank good. you. I just wanted you to know that. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is, I mean, you've still have an offensive line that's, I mean, clearly not one of the better ones in the NFL. They may be moving in the right direction, but there's question marks at right tackle and at center. And even left guard, Damian Lewis, who I like a lot, he was much better in the run game than he is in pass protection, in my opinion. So you've got concerns there. They, they want to get back to this run-first philosophy. Everything that we know of as in NFL right now and data tells us that this is a bad idea, without a doubt, Matt. Um, they basically want to move backward as a franchise, you know, they, but then, but then they also draft a pint sized receiver from Western Michigan with their first pick in the draft in the second round. I just don't know what we're doing. You know, we're, we want to run the ball. We want to pound the rock. That's what we want to do. Russell Wilson wants to trade because it's such this 
bad organizational philosophy is taking over now and it's basically completely subduing what Russell Wilson's capable of doing. Oh, and we're going to draft this pint-sized wide receiver in the first, <laughs> in the second round as our first pick in the draft. I mean, like what? They just, again, these teams in the NFC, if you look at the best draft classes, give me the 10 best draft classes. And I know what people say about draft grades. Look back at draft grades the next year. Look at them and tell me how often they're way off. They are not way off that often. Usually the teams that were that most people thought had the worst class had the worst class. And usually teams that most people thought had the best classes had the best class. This stuff usually isn't that big of a mystery. If you reach for a bunch of picks, you're probably not going to do very well. And like, I just don't think the Seahawks draft well and it's catching up with them now that Russell Wilson is basically trying to be a superhero last year and yeah. ultimately crumbled down the stretch. I don't think their philosophy sound for winning long-term. Yeah, I mean, what what made them so successful is that they would bludgeon you on defense, and then Wilson would do just yeah. enough. Would do just enough to. I shouldn't say just enough because he was still like obviously very talented. He but, would do enough to overcome a run first scheme, right? With the help of the defense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't have uh, Brian Schottenheimer there anymore, so maybe True. that'll help him a little bit. Which, uh, because he, he used to be the Jets' offensive coordinator, like back in the Rex Ryan days. That guy frustrated me. So much, and I understand like the Jets built. Okay, I'll get on this real quick. So no one cares. <laughs> I understand the Jets were like they built their team to like run the ball first, but then like okay, you get stopped, and it'd be like third and seven, and he would just have everyone run like eight yard button hooks. And it's like, oh, come on, come on, dude! Like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta like throw off the defense a little bit. You're having guys like do the bare minimum and you expect Mark Sanchez to like beat the defense. Anyway. I just love when your Jets anger comes out because you're pretty chill dude most of the time. Like it's hard to get you that route up. And then all of a sudden something will just peak the Jets, the Jets rage in you and all yeah. of it comes out and you got to vent. Yeah. It it's, it, yeah. It's <laughs> hey, that's uh, what the pod's yeah, for. I could, I could go on for days about certain topics like that. That's what the pod's for, but Hey, it's a new, it's yeah. a new day in the NFL, new day for the Jets, but we're talking about the <laughs> NFC here and in the NFC, I just don't see it with Seattle right now. I just don't. I think there's a chance Seattle finishes fourth. I think there's a better chance Seattle finishes fourth. It's too much superhero ball. It's too much yeah. like, okay, you're asking Russell to do too much. And I think you made a great point about that. They've, they, you know, they drafted very poorly. And I think that gets disguised because everyone is obsessed with DK Metcalf. They're obsessed with him. And anytime he does something big or he, uh, well, he's he awesome. Down, he tracks down Buda Baker on the uh, on the interception. He tackles him before he scores, and everyone's obsessed with DK Metcalf. That's great for DK Metcalf, but it, yeah, it 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 blindsides a lot of different uh, issues that the Seahawks have had that hasn't really been brought up. And I think yeah. too, it, I think it's the you know the the overall view of them is like, okay, Pete Carroll, he's his old coach, but he's still young at heart, and he chews all the gum. And like, I don't know. I think because they won a Super Bowl years ago that. It's bought them a lot of like the benefit of the doubt, but I think mm -hmm. that you know that hourglass is wearing very thin now. No, oh, I that's well said, sir. Not much to add to that. I think you know, I'll just say this: Falcon or the Seahawks had questions in their secondary going into the offseason. They lost Shaquille Griffin, who was really their only good corner from last year, and they had a bunch of question marks there. And this is what they chose to do: draft Trey Brown in the fourth round, who I think is a fine little player, but he's a small corner who is not their prototype. Is he just going to play in the nickel? Um, not sure what they're going to do with him. And they signed Akella Witherspoon, who'd been benched like 15 times in San Francisco for like Emmanuel Mosley and what's <laughs> left of Jason Verrett's knee. I mm -hmm. just, I don't know, man. Like that just doesn't seem like it's going to get done. And then Trey Flowers is the right corner again. You're going to do this with Trey Flowers again. Dude gets toasted up every year. You're just yeah. opting to run it back with him. I'd <laughs> never have seen a franchise that just opts to run it back with bad players like Seattle. Like, they have clear needs. 
clear holes. They did this on the O-line for years. It'd be like, oh, this guy's starting again? I mean, he's just been subpar for forever. And, and Some Russ people are just work. afraid to let go, you know. I, Sometimes it's, it's hard to say goodbye. It's the truth. But I think you're seeing Seattle. This is the direct. I think Seattle as a franchise is going the wrong way right yeah. now. That's that's really where, yeah. Who Michael Henderson says, who would they cover with our guys? I mean, you're legitimately looking at Trey Flowers trying to lock up Mike Evans. Like, good night. It's over. And you have I a think, safety uh, you just paid multiple first-round picks for that can't cover. He doesn't even help you. No, that's harsh. He can't I think cover, the right? best way to answer that is uh, to quote Dwayne The Rock Johnson, it doesn't matter who's going to cover the box receivers. <laughs> that's Honestly, that's what it comes down I to. It. I love it. <laughs> Throwing The Rock out there. Who do we even talk about? We got to talk about San Francisco. I got to get serious for a second. I, I, mean, I have been serious. Up. I have been serious the whole time because I really don't – I'm not even kidding. I, maybe I'm looking in the rose-colored glasses, and now I've been bucks inundated in my, what, five months down here in Tampa Bay area. But I just don't know except for San Francisco. This is the team. I agree There's, with you. Because they have the combination of this unknown at quarterback that I know he hasn't played much, but this is a scheme that has allowed some quarterbacks that aren't even that great. And this guy, Trey Lance, could be something else, dude. I mean, and it maybe it doesn't happen this year. But if the Bucs had a couple injuries, there's not a whole lot standing between. The Bucs are here, right? They're in a tier by themselves in the yeah. NFC. Like, even if you're a fan of another team, man, how can you – like, you've got to see it. They're in a tier by themselves right now. And then – but San Francisco, to me, is the team that could go from the next group, which I think is very muddled right now, to just – to jump up. You know what I mean? To, to jump up to that level, to being able to compete with Tampa Bay if a little, few things happen. I know it might be early with Trey Lance. But you were talking about the coaching of Kyle Shanahan, the scheme of Kyle Shanahan, what is, I think, an improved offensive line, another year for Trent Williams in the system. Alex Mack bringing him in at center I think is going to make a big difference. They get healthy again with Debo Samuel and George Kittle. That is Love huge. Debo Those guys Samuel. are – oh, my gosh, dude. He's so good, and people don't know. Man, Brandon man, Ayuk man, second year. Uh, I loved him. Yeah, I mean, they just a have a ago. ton of Ayuk pieces. Too. Ayuk is awesome. He's yes. another guy in fantasy football who like he, he really yeah. turned it on. I'm telling you, Trey Lance landed in the dream spot for a first year. Not even because the roster's good yeah. and they're just in the Super Bowl, but just because of the way that this team is run. Like the run first, a lot of play action, some easy completions. There's tons of those tap passes that they to these guys. Like you get in rhythm, you feel comfortable, you get in good down and distances. Oh, by the way, you're a truck who can run the football too. Like I know that it sounds crazy with a rookie quarterback, but there are not many places that you could. So are you saying you want to you want to start Trey Lance right away? Oh, no question. I mean, what are you going to do? Like Jimmy Garoppolo, you know what it is. I want right, to start training. I, I think the issue, I'm not, I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying the big issue with Jimmy G has just been that he hasn't been healthy. Like if you look at the record, well, yeah, but if you look at the record of the Niners when Jimmy G is healthy and he plays, it's like very good. It's a very high number. I don't have it in front of you, but it's a very high number of like compared to win-loss differential with, with Jimmy G. I think the Niners biggest issue has really been that they're another team that like just gets injured all the time and it set them back a ton. And especially with like Kittle, you know, he got hurt all the time, but um, yeah, when Jimmy G was hurt too, obviously, you know, you have a guy like Nick Mullins, you're not expecting to like win the division, but uh, to his credit, he kept the Niners competitive and in, in mm -hmm. games and stuff like that. So now you bring in Lance. If you want to make him the starter, you're already going to have a talented guy in there right away who can help the team win. But I also can see a situation where, not that you you plan for Jimmy G to get hurt, mm -hmm. but if you have Jimmy G start and then 
he's not delivering the way you want him to, then you could put in Trey Lance. Or if, you know, if Jimmy G does get hurt, Lance comes in, you're bringing in a guy that's way more talented than Nick Mullins and has so much more potential that it keeps the Niners in, you know, in the same gear on the same lane that they were into, you know, competing to make the postseason. Right. Speaking of delivering the way you expect them to, Matt, got to talk about our friends over at Playbook Products, some awesome coasters that they make oh, yeah. with plays on them. You could see this, right? Plays oh, yeah. designed from big games in Bucks history. And it's not just the Bucks. If you like another team, you can find them too. Playbookproducts.com. They have terrific stuff. Look at the detail, the outlines, the play. And these are coasters. This is like a stone. And it's so it's a little solid, but it's beautiful. Um, the all their stuff is highest quality. You probably see. The yeah, let me grab back my here. Mug. There's the mug back here. Yeah, you can see mine uh, with the play on it. Scotty Miller's touchdown against Green Bay before the half. They just make un- the, the stuff that they make is high quality. It's terrific. And right now, folks, playbookproducts.com. If you go and you buy something from playbookproducts.com, I think it's like the next five people that buy something from playbookproducts.com, you can take a picture of your receipt with the date on it and everything. None of your personal information, just a receipt with the date on it. Send it to sr at pewterreport.com. We're doing it. We did it during the draft show. We sold a bunch. Now we're selling a bunch more. If you go to playbookproducts.com and you purchase something there, it could be a gift for somebody. It could be something for yourself. Go to the website, purchase something there, send a picture of your receipt to sr at pewterreport.com, and Scott will send you the Bucks Super Bowl Championship DVD for free on top of it. It's like a $20 value or something like that. Um, so he'll send you that DVD for free along with that. So go ahead, head over to playbookproducts.com. You can see Matt's got the mug there with the detail on it. Check it out. Check out their stuff. Remember, it can be any team. There's lots of any sport, but playbookproducts.com is where it's at. Check it out. Send that receipt to sr at pewterreport.com. Get yourself a free Bucks Super Bowl Championship DVD, which, by the way, is awesome. Lots of fun, fun behind-the-scenes stuff in that DVD. It's great stuff. All right, Trey Lance. Bill Byers ain't worried about Trey Lance. Not worried about Trey. I never played against anybody, Lance. It's a fair point, Bill. He's played very little quarterback Uh, right now. He's not throwing the ball very much since really ever. Uh, He Really, that's this big thing. Uh, I know it would be unusual, but I'm telling you, the right system is around him, I think, for them to make a splash. Now, in his first year, are they going to beat and knock off Tom Brady? I don't think so, but got a long way to go till we have to start making game predictions. Uh, but I do think just on paper, you're looking at a San Francisco team that's very, very good and could bounce back very, very easily. They worry me more than the Rams, to be honest with you, Matt. They worry me more than the Rams. They worry me more than the current state of the Packers. Uh, they really do, I think. That's the team right now that I'm probably most concerned about. Now, if Roger stays and, th- and that situation somehow rectifies itself, I- I'm obviously changing my answer. Um, but, you know, the way that they're, they're heading, the way Seattle's heading as a franchise, you know, I- and again, I don't know if you want to talk about anybody in the NFC East. If you're looking at anybody in the NFC East, is that kind of a problem? Um, I'm not. So, <laughs> no, <neither laughs> I don't see it with I. the NFC East. But I do want to let our friends know about Locker Room tonight. We'll be on there. I'll be answering questions. We'll be talking about the draft, not just for the Bucs, but for other teams too. We'll be having a good old time on Locker Room. It's a social audio app that is changing the way we talk about sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation with Locker Room. Download at Locker Room and make sure. I don't know if it's available on Android yet, Hezo. I know Spotify bought Locker Room. Remember, Locker Room's not our 
company per se. So don't get mad at me. So if, if it's not on Android, we don't have any say in it. We've asked them. You know, your passion, though. That's right. Appreciate your passion a lot. All those question marks scared me. So I wasn't sure whether you were yelling at me. But no, at Locker Room, I think they said it's going to be available on Android. But Spotify bought Locker Room. So I don't know when the timetable for that is. But I said that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very good news. Um, but having said that, Locker Room is the place to go. Download Locker Room. If you have a, an Apple application uh, da- or ability to download that, download it. Follow Peter Report. You'll get invited. You'll join the conversations when we have those fun stuff. Are you and Taylor going Thursday night? Yes, we're going yeah. Thursday. Thursday night. All right. So Thursday yeah. night, Taylor Macho, baby. Let's go. I love it. All right. So um, we've talked about the whole NFC really that matters, right? I mean, there's only three divisions, right? Pretty sure. Oh, wait. No, the NFC East. Gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just said that like no one's a threat, but yeah, we yeah, can talk right. about that. <laughs> no, I mean, I think Dallas's offense, I'll just talk about units. Philly's Philly's a train wreck. Giants will be better this year. They'll be better. They're, I'm not yeah, their to... question is quarterback. Their yeah, question their is question quarterback. Is quarterback. They obviously, exactly they right. loaded up on uh, talented offensive players, both mm-hmm. in free agency and in the draft. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it comes down to Daniel Jones. And I think like their, their defense... Um, good defense. Yeah. Could be good defense. Yeah, yeah. Enough I think, pass yeah, rush? They'll keep improving. Yeah, I think they'll keep improving. I think that Dallas's offense scares me. Dallas's defense just right. didn't do anything I, for I, me. I look at yeah, I look at Dallas the same way I did last season, where you know they're going to score a ton of points, but they're gonna also going to allow the same amount. Which again, fantasy football, Dak Prescott was like insane as a fantasy football quarterback because Dallas would go down like twenty points every single game, and he have to air it out, and he score five touchdowns and rush for two of them. So yeah, yeah. I mean the, the Cowboys, there's. There's nothing really – it's the same thing. You're going to score on them, and then you just have to stop them once or twice. Right. And then, all right, there's Washington. Going to be so much fun to watch Ryan Fitzpatrick. We I, all love yes. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I kind of agree with you. And John Ward, $5 Super Chat, we greatly appreciate that, John. Very Thank kind you, John. of you. All the teams who improve the most are, one, AFC contenders, completely agree, and two, NFC teams that miss the playoffs are with questionable quarterbacks, San Francisco and Washington, completely agree. I mean, you could put the Rams in there because Stafford is an upgrade from Jared Goff for sure, but they got worse in other areas, and I think that that's important too. You know, I think that 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 needs to be considered as well. So uh, it's a good point about Washington, but here's the question I keep coming back to with Washington. Yes, they'll be better, and they'll be more stable, and they'll be able to compete for that division title, but at the end of the day, is Ryan Fitzpatrick really contending for a Super Bowl? I mean, like, are we are we at that point where that's where we're going to say? I just wanted to make the playoffs, man. He hasn't made the postseason once in his career, and this might be his best opportunity with the with the NFC East that is essentially. Oh, I, I think wide yeah, open. I agree. And and to me, Washington's the best team in the NFC East right now. If I had to, if I had to guess, now Dallas you certainly is the unit that can scare, but I got to see it. I got to see yeah. it with Mike McCarthy first before I'm ready to go there, and I got to see a defense that. Has some spine, man. I'm I'm just not sure they are that much better than they were a year ago. The Cowboys so. have always been the the team with like expectate. The Cowboys are always the on paper team. Like on paper, they should win the division and like contend for the NFC Championship, make the NFC Championship game. But they never live up to their expectations. Damn, the lights just went wow. out. It's the Undertaker. Uh, lights just went out. House. Help. <laughs> <laughs> lights just went out. Hang on, Matt. One second. All right. In the meantime, I will, uh, I guess, go through some questions. First of all, I'm a big fan. Of, all right, never mind. John's back right away. <laughs> I was ready to, you know, adjust on the fly here. Start answering fan questions. Start, uh, you know. No, we're good. We, we're ready. Podcast, we're now. ready to wrap this thing up, man. Uh, <laughs> the ring light just great. went out because the computer that it was attached to another one uh, died on me. So, um, but no, I think that in the NFC East right now, I see, I see teams that are getting better. I don't really see a Super Bowl contender right now. So. 
we'll keep monitoring that. Obviously, you know, to me, Minnesota is a team in flux. Detroit might be the worst team in the league. I'm curious to see what happens in Chicago. I think they got better too. I could add them to the Washington, San Francisco conversation that, and they uh, have that defense, John Ward brought up. And if you have a defense, you can work with that too. Right. And, you know, they have they have some uh they got some things to work with on on offense. Now Robinson will finally be happy with a quarterback. So, you know, the Bears are a team to like keep an eye on mm-hmm. for sure. Right. Yeah. So there is uh there's question marks, but man, ultimately it it just looks like the Bucks are that team again. Now, obviously, the game is played on the field, not on paper. Injuries happen, decline of players happens. Not even just talking about Brady, but other players on the team. We don't know. The consistency isn't always there with teams from year to year. It's very hard to repeat. But I look at the NFC right now and I see a conference that's kind of in disarray in certain areas, rebuilding in other areas. It's in flux. There is not a lot of the right now. There isn't. There's nobody that that is on the same tier as the Bucks. They're on a tier by themselves. You have teams that are kind of trying something new, like the Rams, and, and, there, and there's teams that are getting something new, a quarterback that are younger, you know, like San Francisco and Chicago uh, or older in Washington that could make to help make them better. But we are talking about a team that, in, you know, in any other year, if you take the Bucks out of the NFC, that's a real competitive conference. Like, where is the money going in that conference? You know what I mean? You said the Rams. Man, I push back against that to a degree. I mean, at least in terms of how how much are they favorites, you know, if it's not yeah. for the Bucs. So, Anyway, I just think that right now it it's it's a unique and cool time to be a Bucks fan. I'm not giving them another ring yet or anything like that. I'm just saying that on paper, this organization clearly is hitting that window at the right time in the conference. I'm not saying you couldn't get through a crazy good conference, but I think they're hitting it at the right time to kind of be able to work through this conference. So it's a fun time. Yeah, I think another thing, just real quick, that uh, you got going for the Bucks is obviously everyone always worries about like uh, you know the Super Bowl hangover. Yep. expectations are high maybe you know they won't put in all the the type of work i think was something that's obviously unique to this year and, and unfortunately it happened because of the pandemic and everything like that is yes the bucks are super bowl champions that was awesome everyone is elated and the bucks had a great time celebrating and everything like that but to a degree they didn't even get to experience the full fruits of their labor because you know you didn't have a packed house every single game you didn't get to like celebrate with the fans. You even have fans at like training camp. Enjoying winning was great, but now they'll have a chance this year to play well at home with a packed stadium to go yeah. into the postseason with all these Bucks fans going insane, hopefully if they have a home game. And then I think uh, like just the motivation to now go for two and have like the full crowd there, the full experience, it like it adds another level to like, damn, this was already great, but now that little extra element with like the fanfare and, and back to normalcy and, and just, you know, it, it gets, it gets the blood pumping, you know? And right. I, I think that's something that can't be overlooked for this season is the, the mental aspect of like, okay, now we got, we were already partying. Now we got everyone else partying with us. I, I think that's going to be a great little motivating factor for this season for the Bucks. Right. And Mike Clay's tweet is interesting. People have pointed out that Mike Clay's kind of making the point that, yeah, the, the Bucks schedule right now does not look, uh, that tough. And so, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, obviously that's, uh, those projections are so far out, you know, we have a long right. way to go to get there, but post draft, man, it's post draft world we're in. So like <laughs> we can do a little bit of this now, man, we're not shooting in the dark about this. So we're looking yeah. at the teams and I mean, I could give you my 10 best draft classes and I'm telling you like only like two would be from the NFC. I mean, it just, I just think the AFC's right now is more competent GMs done a better job of drafting and there's less teams that are kind of in position right now to be rebuilding. There's already teams that are further along that process 
of rebuilding. So it's going to be a very competitive conference. Still not sure anybody's ahead of Kansas City, ahead of Buffalo. But talking about the AFCs for another time as we get closer to the season. To close out this week, though, we're going to have some fun stuff lined up for you. Tomorrow, Taylor and Mark will be on the show. It will be a doozy. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you are ready for those guys. Uh, let's talk about uh, Thursday because Thursday it's going to be your boy and Scott and Trevor Sikama, the one and only oh, yeah. Trevor Sikama, is going to join us from the Draft Network to give us his thoughts on the Bucks draft class, on the draft as a whole, the state of the NFC. So yes, the man bun will be back. Well, the man one won't be man bun won't be back, but Trevor will be back on the podcast on Thursday. So that'll be a fun one. 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern Thursday. Then we got Jake Arians coming up on the podcast. What? That's Monday at four, right? So next yep. Monday at four, okay. wrap around to the next week. And Correct. Jake Arians coming on the podcast at 4 p.m. next Monday. We've got other guests lined up. Bruce Arians is lined up, I think, for the week after that. He'll be on the podcast. That'll be a big one for us. We've got a couple players lined up on the podcast that are coming up, too. More guests from the media realm are going to be stopping by. It's going to be uh, a very, very fun time on the Pure we got Report podcast. we got a lot podcast. of awesome things coming up. Yeah. And a honestly, it's awesome because of our our fans are awesome. I, t- I mean, I text Scott every night of the draft show. Yep. I get home and I'll just be like, our fans are great. <laughs> they are yeah, awesome. Yeah, appreciate everyone that watched the show. I mean, yeah. like I said, you guys p- did a did a great job with that. But wouldn't it be possible without all the fans watching? That's why we're That's able right. to do that for, for three days. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You got you guys okay. make it fun and you always keep the chat lively for sure. And we, we definitely appreciate that. So as always, thanks for jumping in and tuning in to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.